0: Welcome to episode 2 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix on all things Iron Man. So welcome along to Iron Man Talk uh, with Bevan James Isles and John Newsom. How are you going John? Morning, Devin. Morning, Mr. Lazy. Mr. Lazy? You're well. <laughs> what happened was. <laughs> actually, we'll get into that later on. But today's show, we're going to be looking at a few things regarding Ironman. The first thing we've got on is we're going to have a look at Ironman Arizona, the results from last weekend's race, plus having a look at what's coming up this weekend. We're going to be having a look at a thing called the Pro Triathlon Professionals website. Uh, we'll get into more detail on that later on as well. Also going into the area of overtraining as an athlete, as an Ironman and what that can mean for you and maybe how you can avoid that. And lastly, we're going to be having a look at a few tips on swimming and tools that we can use to maybe help us and tools that maybe aren't so important as in swimmer. So yeah, you've been good, John? Yep, pretty good. Pretty good. So last weekend we had Ironman Arizona on.
1: Uh, What'd you think? It was uh, looked like a pretty tough day at the office, as every Ironman is. Um, Pretty quick times all round by the winners. Eight eight twenty, I think it was by Michael Levado. Levado, but very, you know. What I think we're seeing a bit more in the Ironman races so far this year, especially with Arizona and Australia, is it's been quite close racing. Um, If we look over the top five there, there was only eleven minutes covering the top five, and I think. Um, even down to about 15th place, it was still, you know, guys going sub nine hours. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, normally, like, sub nine is a top 10, isn't it? Yeah, you can usually, if, you, if you're going sub nine, it's usually you can pretty sure of a top 10. Um, so, yeah, some pretty interesting results there. I
0: was I was impressed with Michael. How do you say his name? Lovato. Lovato. Lovato because, um, like, if you look at his swim time, he did a 52 59. For me, that's encouraging, not being a strong swimmer. Like, um, you know, I think out of the water, he was in the
1: 30s, you know, so. Yes, yeah, so I think um, that looked. I think what was probably to his advantage is there was a number of guys there swimming around fifty two, fifty three. So they obviously got together on the bike yeah, and rode true. up to the front guys. Um, what I think you're in danger of if, if you are a weaker swimmer, if you get left by yourself, then it's uh, it's awfully hard. But as long as you've got a few guys around you, I think you can get away with being a slightly slightly weaker swimmer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what about on the female side of
1: things? McKaylee um, Jones just she hammered it, didn't she? Hammered you? everybody. Um, oh. Wow not 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 really that unexpected but you've got to take your hat off to these guys i think um, especially if we look at mckaylee jones and spencer smith both have come from a short course background both have been world champions at short course and um you know they go off from their iron man career and they're really on a hiding to nothing everybody expects them yeah. to do well yeah um, yeah exactly it's and, like yeah
0: famous carter went and did it now
1: everyone expect him to be the champ exactly so yeah. it's uh you've got to take your hats off to those guys spencer smith i thought as a fantastic result He's um, Well, that is that is world class,
0: isn't it? Yeah. yeah
1: I mean, it's. I I remember when I first started back around about 1990, I think he won the World Junior Champs in 92, went on 93 to win the World Elite Short Course Champs, and then he came down to New Zealand in 94 and won the World Elite Champs there as well. And he just, just killed everybody. He's just an animal. I mean, I remember in Wellington, he was off the bike first, had about a two-minute lead, over a pack of about 20 guys, and he just rode off the front and just killed oh. them all and then ran about a 31-minute 10K. So,
0: so why don't more Olympic athletes, you know, because obviously Ironman is the more experienced, been in the game a longer, the endurance in their body. Why don't you see more of this happening, you know, short course <laughs> going into Ironman?
1: Uh, you, you do see a bit of it, but it's, it's Ironman's a tough way to make money, and that was one thing I was going to talk about a bit later on is... Um, you know, you can only realistically do three Ironmans a year, good ones. And yep. if you really want to do well, you can only should only really do two. Whereas short course guys, they can go out and they can race an Olympic distance race, you know, every few weeks and be making the same amount of money. There's pretty much the same money at a World Cup Olympic distance race as there is at any Ironman around the world. So mm. financially, it's a lot easier. Um, you also get a lot of backing from your national governing bodies um, oh, because okay. it's an Olympic sport, and so financially, you're a lot more secure. Um, and Iron Man, you know, it's it's very, very top heavy. The top guys are making really good money. Um, but if you're not in the top sort of handful in the world, you're on the bones of your ass, basically. (laughs) The struggling athlete. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I've got a lot to look forward to. (laughs) Um, okay, any other results you were kind of impressed with over the
1: whole weekend? You were mentioning one of your athletes had a race there, and I had one, an age group guy there, and he, he rode a 443, but unfortunately had some stomach problems leading into the race. Um, yeah, and then there were some, some good results there. His name is Clark Helverson, he's still qualified for Hawaii, which was the objective. Um but, you know, when you're you're throwing up every day for three days leading into the race, yeah, you know, you can you can expect to have a fairly tough time on the run and that's what he did, but luckily he um battled through and got the slot and we'll got, um, happen. get him well, One get thing smoking Hawaii.
0: Uh, one thing we're gonna do is um we're going to have our impressive age grouper of the week each week. We we'll probably won't do it this week, but from next week forward, we're going to have a look through all the results. And I uh, just determine maybe an impressive performance across any of the age groupers, be it female, a, any male, any age. And uh, see, you know, just you know you guys out there who are into the sport, maybe not at that next level, but still loving it. We kind of want to shine you guys as well. So
1: yeah, uh, look out for that. It's going to be pretty exciting. So then next weekend with what's coming up. Well, I think it's. I'm not sure if it's next weekend, but in a couple of weeks we've got Saint Croix 70.3, so that's. I think that's pretty much the start of the 70.3 series for this year.
0: Okay, so you know, let's just. What is the 70.3? Because I know we've had the half Ironman, and they've decided that now. We're going to have a seventy
1: point three. Yeah, it's just a, a different name for half Ironman, and but it's owned and, and trademarked by the Ironman Corporation. So and same distances, same distance. So seventy point three miles. So that's where I've got a bit of an issue with the name, is everybody outside of America doesn't use <laughs> yeah. doesn't use miles. So seventy point three really doesn't mean too much to our kit to us Kiwis and no. uh, you know the Europeans. But um, you know, so I guess it's a name and it's a way that they're going to brand their series. One thing. That
0: I noticed that it can happen now is that in a seventy point three race you can actually qualify for Hawaii. What are your thoughts mm, on that?
1: I think that sucks. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, the the uh, the Hawaii is the pinnacle of the sport, and um, and I think if you want to get there, you've got to go and do an Ironman and qualify that way. Um, as we all know, for the, the guys that have done half Ironmans and Ironman, I think half half Ironman distance is much more is closely associated with short course racing you can yeah. go pretty hard out so i think short course athletes can get away with not doing too much long training yeah. um man's a completely different killer it, fish like maybe that's even unfair to the athlete because you know you do
0: a half iron man and you do well you're obviously qualified you mm. think to yourself shit you know this is this is gonna be pretty good yeah and then if you were to then go to an iron man which is, is a totally different game
1: and it means that you have people that potentially could be racing at Hawaii that have never done nine man before, and uh, and one I don't think that's really fair on all the other athletes that try so hard to get there. Mm. And secondly, I mean to go and race to your first nine man in Hawaii, we've both been there. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's a you know, hard it's, day it's at it's the tough, office. Tough day. Hard at the long
0: day. So, what is the
1: advantage for those guys? In you know, me being the devil's advocate, um... for, for for the Ironman corporation, it's more money. They can expand their their brand further worldwide. I mean, there's a lot of 70.3 races in the States, but they're also spreading them out into Europe. Um, I think it's going to mean there's going to be less slots in the Ironman races. I mean, it has oh, to be. so that's disappointing. Um, but I think, that, to be fair, it is pretty hard to qualify as an age grouper in the 70.3. I generally think there's not going to be that many slots. Um, so you yeah. generally got to go out there and probably win your age group or get in the top few. So that's one plus. There's not as many slots, but I still... I don't don't agree with it. I think it's a bad idea. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit interesting. Um, although I suppose a few of you out
0: there listening are probably qualified this way. <laughs> yeah, <so> well <laughs> we'll be, done. yeah, yeah. Well, done. <laughs> <laughs> prepare. Um, on the weekend, the, the website wasn't working for Arizona for a while.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I was up. Um, obviously, we've got a bit of a time difference here, but I was up first thing, ready to sit down and watch a bit of um, Arizona. And, and I see last week they they launched Ironman dot com, which is. Um, the new site for for the Iron Man corporation and then when I went there in the morning on Monday morning so Sunday time for the Americans it was, wasn't was up so that was a bit of a balls up to be honest. Yeah it's a little bit disappointing because one thing I'm always impressed
0: with with the organisation is that media wise they're really savvy. Yeah. You know like you can watch Hawaii stream it live and you know I know when you were watching doing Hawaii I was watching it live and you know like it's really impressive and it was a bit mm. of a drop of the ball. Yes. Yeah, on so. their behalf on that way. Well, mean, we'll give them that one. Yeah just, I'm just sure the it's one.
1: teething problems.
0: A new thing that's been coming on within Triathlon is a ho- overall is the athletes have got together and started a, a website called uh, Pro triathlon, triathlon Forum at uh dub triathlon slash professionals dot org.
1: What's this about? Um, There's a, a German guy. Uh, he's actually a pretty handy pro triathlete, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, his surname wrong. But it's Olaf Sabusius, or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's good. He, he's a very very handy athlete, <laughs> and he's gone to get to uh, set up a sort of a, a, sort of a, a group of pro athletes to really try and give the the pro Ironman athletes a voice out there. Um, I think something like this was attempted a few years ago. I think it was, might have even been Mark Allen leading the charge. Uh, it was called the Triathletes Guild, um, and it was it was designed to be like a, a union for all the for all the tri- pro triathletes. It's
0: actually um, it's for both tri and short course.
1: I think it's I think it is, but I think it's more focused towards Ironman, Ironman yeah. Iron stuff. Um, so I think I don't know. We're, we're looking at
0: the website right now, and they've got who's on the board, and they've definitely got an international kind of. Field behind them, as in backers. Um, few, I don't know if the big names in the game, but well, few we've got names, Karen Bounce there from CrossFit.
1: Yeah. She lives about 100 meters away yeah, from you, Yes, just up the road.
0: <laughs> but um, why, 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 why would we do this? Um, why would they do that?
1: I think the athletes have got to have a voice. They're, at the moment, they're pretty much at the mercy of of event organizers, the Ironman Corporation, the ITU, and at the moment, the prize money does suck. Um, and so, I think the athletes have got to try and have a strong voice. Out there, whether it works or not, I'm not quite sure, but it, it will require all the athletes to sort of bond together and say, right, this is going to be our decision yeah. and we're all going to stick with it. So if they can get um, that sort of snowball effect and momentum, I think it could work really well. It's, um To me, to make it work, they really need to be able to get a voice on the mm-hmm. boards of the big, you know, mm. of
0: Ironman and... Mm. and- um, for it to work, so they've obviously got a voting thing here, trying to get. We're looking at the site again, and they've got a voting part where they're trying to get a speaker
1: for them. So they're obviously trying to be quite organised with what they're doing. Um, he has been really organised, sending out emails to all the pro athletes. I've been receiving those, and so I think the ball's rolling really went nicely. I think it'll take a little while to get up and running, um, but hopefully the you know the Ironman Corporation are receptive to this and and listen to what the athletes have to say. I mean, one thing that happened up at the the race in Taupo, the Ironman New Zealand, a lot of the athletes, you know, it's, it's all nice and, and looking back, but were very annoyed with the way that things were, were handled on the day. Just one thing before we start. In New Zealand, Ironman, the weather caused the day
0: to be pretty much a disaster and they couldn't do the swim. They did half a ride and half a run, so it was like
1: a 90k ride and what? Yeah, half marathon yeah, runs. So yeah. it was a bit of a disaster. Um, But one example was that the athletes, the pro athletes, were sent off with the top seeds going first. So Cameron Brown was first off the mark. And that's the complete opposite to what happens in most other sports, where, you know, at the Tour de France, Lance Armstrong was always the last to leave. So the advantage is with him. Um, So... That caused quite a bit of strife, and, and also prize money is probably the big thing, um, very disproportionate uh, in Hawaii. I mean, if you finish 11th place in Hawaii, you don't get any prize money, and that's just rubbish yes, if you ask me, Why is that? Is it just the history of it? Well, it's it's, it's good prize money in Hawaii. Yeah, if you can if get top 10. If you can get top 10. Um, but this year, I mean, they did a thing where they thought they were really clever, and they introduced new primes, So they had a swim preem and a bike prems. Um And you know why couldn't so if you come first out of the water or somewhere there was a certain mark on the bike first to get past that mark you got an extra five thousand US. Yeah. From my point of view, I think they probably would have been better. Just putting a little bit more money, maybe paying down to fifteenth. Yeah. But I'm sure they didn't ask the athletes about that. So hopefully, this thing here will will, the the professional sort of guild will will make things like that happen and and get more pro athletes. Making a proper living out of it because the reality is a lot of athletes out there call themselves pros, but yeah. they're not really making the money scraping, out
0: of aren't they? it. Yeah. yeah, it's um it's quite a professional website. You check it out. We'll have it in the show notes.
1: One thing you've got here as well is talking about a green slam. Yeah, it was a, an idea sort of mooted um, by a guy who writes a column in one of the New Zealand magazines, Mark Watson, and he was suggesting one way around. Um, creating a bit more momentum with, with the whole pro movement is perhaps have four races around the world, a bit like, say, in golf, where you've got the British Open, the Masters, yep, yep. The US Open, and, the so, on events, and so on, yep. and have them as big money events. Because at the moment, Hawaii is the only race that really gets a stellar field. Germany's pretty good. Yep. Um, but if we could perhaps have four races around the world where the prize money is perhaps triple or quadruple, what it normally yep. is, and you can pull all the and, good athletes and get together. all the athletes yeah. together on a more regular occasion, um, I think The the, the coverage will be a lot better um, around the world, and then hopefully more sponsors will come in. And again, it will try and create a bit more of a snowball. I think maybe
0: for the athlete as well is that, like, you know, if I'm a top athlete, you know, one of the world's best Ironman, you want those challenges. Yeah. You know, you want to be testing yourself against the best, and Hawaii is the only chance for you to do that. Mm. And let's say, like, I know Scott Molina, for example, didn't like the heat, Mm. so that was his only chance, and, you know, he never really handled the heat extremely well. Mm. but it was a great Ironman and you know like for me as a as an athlete myself I want to be measured against the best and if we could have four athletes or four events mm. to do that you know oh,
1: I think it would be a fantastic move
0: and then maybe even have more different qualifying so you could have four events to qualify exactly. which would give the Hawaii prestige yeah 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 I no, definitely like that idea okay so we're going to move on to our, the next issue and the issue of or well, not issue the subject of overtraining
1: it, it's pretty uh, pretty common thing to happen yeah, for, for Ironman athletes yeah. um, and so I mean overtraining is pretty simple it's uh, basically smoking yourself either doing too much intensity doing too much volume not enough recovery and your body just it just becomes sort of a cumulative effect and you start to break down and uh, <clears throat> it all turns to custard really. So when you think you know well, from your experience as a
0: coach we are uh do you start to notice it happening or, you know, what are the signs um, for an
1: effort? You know, if I'm training, I'm feeling, you know, because we feel tired every day. You, you, you know, yeah. that's what we do. We should feel tired. Feeling tired is perfectly fine and that's something we're going to sum up at the end is, you know, um, we're going to talk about overtraining, but it doesn't mean you go out there and train like a pansy. Okay, so some of the things you probably should be looking out for is if you're just constantly tired, you know, tired every day. We get, we're always going to have bad days where you do feel a bit, bit run down. Constant leg soreness, constant muscle soreness, achiness in your legs, just tired, lack of energy, um, and if you're going out there and and you know your times are way down and they're just staying down, if you're having poor sleep, headaches, you can't really concentrate on things, and one one thing that is uh, you get quite twitchy with your partner, um, yep. quite short tempered, so those are a few of the things that you should be looking out for if you take your heart rate a lot. Um, Variations in your morning heart rate—that um, can be be another sign.
0: So, is it, is it a fine line?
1: Because, <clears throat> excuse me,
0: um, do you find that you know? Because even though something's there, you can still feel you know. You know where's the benefit? Where's you exactly know, detrimental?
1: And, and that really leads us on nicely. Very, very well done. Well, leads well. us on nicely. <laughs> is, is how to avoid it um, and how to avoid overtraining. So, what what we're really aiming for whenever we go out training is. You're always sort of fatiguing your body, and the idea is that you fatigue your body for, for x amount of time, then you allow allow your body to recover, and you you try and sort of super compensate and come back to a higher level. So, sort of overreaching, which is different to overtraining, and and getting into a bit of a period where you are tired, is perfectly fine to do that for a certain amount of period. But what you've really got to be aware of is, is that you've got a good plan, um, and so. That really means periodizing your build-up. So, so what I work with with a lot of athletes is where we work generally on a three or four-week cycle of training. So for three weeks, you do sort of progressive, progressive training load. That may be either an increase in volume or an increase in intensity. Yep. And then the fourth week um, or the easier week, you're dropping down. Um, so that's really important. So as long as you're scheduling in regular, easy weeks, that's a key, that's a key point on avoiding it. Um, also, I strongly recommend a, a, a day off every week. Um, On that day off, you either do absolutely nothing or you do maybe a very, very light swim or some sort of recovery session. Oh, so you do recommend that? I strongly recommend every week having a very, very light day where physically you get to chill out and mentally you get to chill out as well. Um, And also spreading your harder sessions during the week. So these are all the reasons why you need a coach (laughs) (laughs) to help you plan with these issues. And we know this really great coach.
0: coach john newson hey um, with this just as my experience recently i've had um a few really big weeks you know big 30 hour weeks mm-hmm. um my next race isn't till march next year but i'm trying to strengthen my cycling and you know just do the hard yards and um today actually john's giving me a hard time earlier about not setting up <laughs> for our ride and uh i i just i just was really tired you know it mm-hmm. got to the point where i just i was fatigued and i felt i was going down that path and i decided that I wouldn't go for the ride today. And to be honest, I'm actually feeling great now because of it. But the interesting thing for me was that it wasn't really about my training. It was more my lifestyle. Totally. had
1: made, you know, like I've been staying up later and hmm. doing some other things that have made my training fall, by the way. side. So yeah. I think a lot of people, when they, when they do get into a bit of a rut and a bit of a hole and they feel, you know, perhaps they are going down the track of overtraining, they automatically look at their training program and go, what the hell's going on, you know? I'm yeah. I'm I'm am I doing too much training or what's going on? And and generally most programs, you know, for example I say to people the program I'm giving you is not making you overtrain. train, it's all the other things around your life, you know. Yeah. Um and so perhaps focusing on those things a bit more, like you said, you're not getting much sleep. So yeah. that's probably the number one thing. If you can get an extra hour of sleep every day, um, that will make a big difference to your... To your and it really parents. has. Like,
0: honestly, yesterday I was just miserable. Mm. And, like, I said, oh, I have to go for a ride tomorrow morning. I just decided last night, nope, you're going to have a night day
1: off tomorrow, you're going to sleep in, and, you know, and um, today I'm feeling great. I'm yeah. ready to go again, so... But I think addressing that and perhaps trying to, I think it's important to try and get a regular sleep pattern. So try to go to bed at the same time every night or roughly the same time and try to get up at the same time and then you can get into a a really good regular sleep pattern. We've kind of already led into this bit, but you know, what do you do when you are in a hole, you know? Um, When you're in a hole, I mean, it it depends how deep a hole you've dug yourself, really. Um, For say the the situation which you're in, um, it may just take a couple of days to come out of it. Um, if you go into chronic fatigue and, and really serious overtraining, I mean it can take months and months and months to come out of it and and some people it even takes years to get over chronic fatigue so it's it 's really a hard one to say is, is how much time to have off if you 're just a little bit overtrained, then you probably just need an easier week um, if you 've gone down the the path of absolutely smashing yourself perhaps for a year or two yep. and you 've got chronic fatigue you know <clears throat> glandular fever is a fairly common thing that comes up. Um, then you, you know, you've got to seek professional advice and, yeah, and figure out a way. It's really important. It. But I think in the short term, um, as we've already alluded to, is um, trying to improve your sleep patterns. Um, is something that's really useful, and becoming really staunch with nutrition. So eating well during, before, post training, um, try to eat really unprocessed foods. You know, yeah. rather than going down to. Your local takeaway, um, <laughs> no McDonald's. No McDonald's for you this week. Uh, just eating good wholesome food, and that's a that's a good a good thing to work on. Um, and if you've been in, in perhaps more long term over training, I think getting some sort of professional help um, with that as well. I think uh, some athletes that I see have, have dug a really deep hole, and it's actually quite hard to get out of that hole because. Yeah. You've got to have a prolonged period off, and so then when you come back, you think, right, I've had a big break, and am be nice and fresh. Yeah, so you smash it again. And you smash yeah. it again, and then you just go back down the same path. Or you just absolutely mentally kill yourself because you just can't reach those same... Performances or times that you're at before, mm. and perhaps other people around you have made advances, yeah. and you're, you're going, "Oh, so I used to kick it. his ass!" You know what's going on.
0: One <laughs> thing I, I know from
1: teaching fitness is
0: that a lot of people's self-esteem is based on the fact that they are consistent with their fitness, mm. and and I know it's you know probably the same for a lot of us am Men as well that <clears throat> you know doing your pattern day in day out and make sure you stick to the program makes you feel great about yourself, mm. and to stop. Is, you know psychologically quite tough on oh. yourself and you beat yourself up and oh no and you feel tomorrow i need to do twice as much and you know so it just creates this you know snowballing effect
1: which totally athletes when well, i assume i tell them right you've got to have uh end of the season you've got to have sort of maybe about seven to ten days where you do nothing yeah and they go what they, they can't do it yeah and they just come back a bit loopy um, but it is really important, and that's another scheduling issue, sort of periodization, is I think yeah. during your year, um, you've got to schedule a few breaks during the year where you don't do any training. You know, I'm not talking about months on end, but a yeah. week, um, maybe at the end of your season, perhaps a, another week in the middle of winter, and also having some periods during the year where you're, you're doing some perhaps um, non-triathlon specific things, like maybe go out mountain biking or hiking, yeah. and, and still doing things to keep you active so you don't lose your fitness. Um, but just just chilling out a bit because if you do consistent Ironman training for 52 weeks of the year, yeah. um, same Marry thing so every week, you'll smoke yourself.
0: I remember talking to Cameron Brown after Hawaii actually,
1: and I was talking to him, you know, as an avid
0: fan, and just asking about how much time he had off after the race, and he said he had a month off, and mm. I was like, Yeah, no, but how much running do you do in that month, yeah. and how much cycling? And he said, No, I do nothing for a month. Yeah. I just I was just astounded, you yeah. know, like this is a guy, you know, at the time got third in Hawaii. You know, I was like, whoa, and, uh, but no, so obviously, you know, I learned a valuable lesson in that myself, so. He
1: does that every year, he comes back from Hawaii, takes a month off, hangs out with the family, yeah. um, and I know, but when he gets back into it, it's very tough, you know, yeah. he sees when he goes out for a 40 minute run, first couple of times, your legs are just agony. Yeah. Um, but it works really well for him, I would say a month is probably the absolute maximum. Yeah. Um, I generally recommend, you know, about two weeks of no training, or very, very little, and then two weeks of very unstructured training where you're just ticking over doing something yeah doesn't it's have the body moving yeah just yeah. just ticking over and then getting back into it so yeah. when when is tiredness not an overtraining we've got here again it's just that that's something I, yeah what we talked a little bit about in the introduction is you know training is supposed to make you tired yep and uh, yep. Okay. and that, that's an objective um, but you've got to learn and, and sometimes you do have to learn the hard way um, is that the, there is a fine line between training hard and overtraining. I think for Ironman athletes, probably one area where you can be a bit more cautious about is intensity. I don't don't see a lot of need for people to go out and train at a very, very high intensity. Um, All the time. All the time. I think uh, going above say your lactate threshold, which is something we'll cover in future Future talks, but going at very high intensities doesn't do you a lot of good in terms of your racing performance, and it's a very easy way to smoke yourself. So, yeah. volume is good. Um, lots of volume is good. Um, higher intensity stuff is a lot more risky.
0: And just lastly on a note for this one, I think the key is to really be honest with yourself, you know, mm. and, and the people your support crew around you, you know, your health professionals, your coaches, and all that. You know, like don't hold back information. You know, and really mm. make sure you mm. make good decisions based on that.
1: Keep a training log. That yeah. can be a, a key thing. Evan, yeah. keep training long. <laughs> um, it th- wasn't directed. <laughs> one thing that 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 can do a lot is uh, once you've had a really successful season or uh, maybe a not so good season, you can look back and sort of see what sort of yeah. volumes you tolerated. Um, Luckily, I keep track of the programs and things like that. Yeah, um, he keeps my training log for me. <laughs> so, but it is really important. You, you never want to be going making huge increases in your, in your volume. I Actually, think. we might do a, a bit of a,
0: a talk about training logs because I know mm. one of the other benefits of training logs is that you can see where you've performed well in the past and maybe, mm. you know, what did I do there in, in review. So exactly. we'll look for that in the next, you know, coming up. John's microphone went a little bit funny here. so. I've just um, had to use the, his voice on the backup, so sorry about that. So just keep listening, and uh, we'll have this problem fixed for next week. The last thing we're going to kind of really look into today is things that we can use. Well, I was talking to John about this earlier, and just talking about how I, I came from a no swimming background. So until I decided to do Ironman, I'd never swam two lengths in a pool in my life. So I pretty much jumped like I could go to the beach and you know have, try catch a wave, but I wasn't pretty at it. And so then I decided I wanted to do Man and, <laughs> and so I started to learn to swim. And I've been swimming for around four years now. I come and take, I have some time off here and there. But basically I've been swimming for four years. And still today I get in the water and I always feel like, oh, you know, I just, I'm missing something. You know, there's a trick that I don't know. And there's some gear I need that's definitely, you know, making me, you know, if I get that, I'm going to get better. So we thought we'd just cover a few things that, you know, what are the things that are going to work? And maybe where am I wasting my mar- money as a, as a mm-hmm. swimmer?
1: Um, I think one thing that you, you've just got to accept is if you don't learn to swim as a kid, buoyancy is something very, very hard for a coach to teach. To and buoyancy is and buoyant, keeping keep the water, awesome. keep nice and keep nice and keep a nice high body position. Um, but there are a number of things that you can do. Um, one thing I work with a lot of the time is, is doing drills with athletes, and, and drills are quite hard to, to muster. So I strongly recommend getting a pair of fins or flippers, whichever part of the world you're from, um, <laughs> you're doing your drills with flippers on. So then you're not worried so much about getting to the other end of the pool without drowning. Um, you can really focus on your technique um, and actually try and execute the drill. Oh, well, that's
0: interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So a pair of fins would, um, would work well. Uh, and probably the other the second biggest thing I could recommend is getting yourself videoed. Um, whether you've got access to a swim flume which is like a, a bit like the endless pools but a bit, a bit more high tech um, we've got one close to where we live in Christchurch where they have six video cameras pointing at you at once yeah. and you're swimming like in a really big bathtub um, and you get some amazing footage and, and it can be very, very technical um, but just getting somebody to walk alongside the pool with, with their video camera video and you're trying to get a little bit of a, yeah. uh, a shot of what you're actually doing underwater if they can Getting a front-on shot, a rear shot, and uh, a side-on shot, and then actually going and having a look at that. Ideally, with a coach. Even if it's not with a coach, you'll probably be able to see some pretty clear things. It's it's, it's so
0: true because about a year ago I did it. with you didn't know, you got you down at the pool, and um, you just you the way you feel with your body isn't necessarily what you are doing. And and I exactly. think people tell you, oh, you need to take your arm out more or this certain everything, and you think you're doing it and. Once you see yourself on camera, you it's, you can't lie. You know what I mean? You just you see it, and you see okay, maybe yeah. I do need to move my hand across more, and I need to do this set and the other thing. And I know for me, it was it was a real eye opener. Mm. It was um.
1: So if you haven't got access to a coach, um, there's various sort of things out there you can get. I sell one thing actually on my website. Yeah, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> it's, called, uh, it's called Future Dreams uh, CD, and it's got a whole lot of um, drills on it, uh, and a whole lot of underwater shots of a very good very good swimmer called Hayden Woolley. Um, He's used to be an ex, sort of world class swimmer, and so if you haven't got access to a coach, that's a good tool. Go and get yourself videoed, look at what you're doing, and then you can actually look at what a, a top class swimmer does, and that can be one way around um, if you don't have a good coach in your area.
0: Do we recommend? Will do you recommend videoing yourself like quite often, like every three weeks? Totally. Um, oh really? Um,
1: I think uh, perhaps maybe not every three weeks, but maybe once a month. Yep. Especially when perhaps when you're in your off season um, or, or before you're starting your main build up to your main race, that's a good time to focus on technique, technique issues, perhaps when you're in the last sort of couple of months before a race, it's probably not the best time, yeah. um, you'd better focus on just getting out there and training, um, but every time's a good time for technique, and it's a good way of doing a recovery session as well, is just having one session every now and then, which you just solely focus on technique.
0: Okay, so I went for a swim the other day, and they gave me this belt thing. I had this belt around me, and it had this big black thing on looked like Darth Vader from behind. <laughs> and when I was swimming, it was basically, it had a ball bearing in it, and it clicked side to side so it made sure I rotated my hips. Yeah. Now, it was quite cool, and it definitely made me think about swaying my body as I swam. Yeah. just so got me thinking, you know, what are the good tools, you know, like of mm-hmm. those type of nature that you believe are good and what's maybe not so important?
1: I think that's a good one. I haven't actually seen it myself. Because um, yeah. <laughs> so body rotation is a big thing that a lot of people don't get. So yeah, oh, that sounds like a, a reasonable little toy. Um, what else can we get? Uh, you can get stretchy cords. Yeah. Um, and why are they good? Then you can basically do. It's uh, one way of actually getting a little bit of extra swim volume without actually going to the pool. Yep. Um, and so you can just set them up outside, uh, tie them to a pole or to a tree or something. And you can sit there and you can actually see what you're doing with your arms so you're not getting wet and your head's not down. And it's just a good strengthening exercise. You can also, with that, um, do some strengthening areas on like, your rotator cuffs, um, which is quite a common area for, for new people to swimming and, and swimmers, all sorts of swimmers, getting rotator cuff injuries. So there's some strengthening exercises you yeah. can do. Um, I think Scott Molina has some good... Exercises on his site for rotator
0: cuff. I'll put a link for you guys. Yeah.
1: ScottMalina.com, but he has some, uh, s- some specific exercises. And Scott there. can swim,
0: man. Scott is yeah. such a great swimmer. So, he uh, breaks my heart. Here <laughs> I <laughs> so That's a good one. Yeah. Um,
1: what else? Could we that,
0: Chuck Norris, that thing of Gordo's your time? Yeah. Yeah. He had
1: a Vasa machine. Um, so if, I probably wouldn't recommend actually going out and getting a Vasa. And what, what is Especially a Vasa like machine it. for? You basically lie on a bench and you pull yourself up. Um, so it is like that Chuck Norris infomercial, isn't totally. it? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, the objective with that is it's very good for actually watching what you're doing with your elbows because a lot of swimmers drop their elbows when they go below the water, especially at the front part of their stroke. And so with this, you can actually practice that movement of keeping your elbow nice and high. Um, so that's another tool.
0: And uh, you can look like Chuck Norris, so, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> all your dreams come true. <laughs> can
1: we, can we get people? Uh, for more experienced swimmers, I think bands are fantastic.
0: Um, yeah, see, I, I have real trouble with bands because I'm yeah. not experienced, no. and I just, it's just, I don't like doing them because I'm just drowning, basically, as I'm doing, well, not drowning, but, you know. Legs yeah, so and problems. it just—I just, I just don't feel the benefit because I'm just not, you know, everyone's flying away from me, and I, it's just, yeah. you know. So,
1: it, it bands take a while to get used to. You've got to so, start out with short distances and so build it up. It was actually quite funny on, a, on Epic Camp um, this year in New Zealand, we had the point system, you get a bonus point for doing a 1,000 metres bands continuous. And did someone do it? Quite a few people did it. But we were actually at a pool, a little resort town called Hamlin Springs. in the Beautiful place. Is, it's only about 20, 20 metres long. So it's quite short It's very shallow. And it was hilarious watching the <laughs> actually, Their feet were actually scraping along the bottom of the pool <laughs> for at least half of it. And they were coming out of cuts on their feet. But they, damn it, they got their bonus point. <laughs> for one point. So the, ah, the commitment to the cause uh, bands are good um, but I would suggest starting out very lightly with those um, and just slowly building up, your t- building up your time
0: is there anything you think is a waste of time?
1: Um, I think doing pool boys only is a bit of a waste of time it's a bit of a, bit of an easy opt out yeah, um, yeah I know that so I think using a pool boy with a band can be quite good um, and oh, using okay. a pull boy with a band and with paddles, so doing full gear. I like the uh, Zeus. Yeah, <laughs> so I think mean, that's quite good as well. But I think just doing a pull boy by itself, unless you're looking to do like a recovery session, um, then it's fine because it's just saving your legs and you just it gets your ass up out of the water and it's a very very easy way to swim. But if you're looking to try and do a hard set or really focus on something, I don't think just using a pull boy is, is going to do a lot for you. Other than make it easier. And
0: and one thing that's really important is time in the water. You know, mm. for me. I have improved as a swimmer over the last four years, and I'm quite happy with where I'm going and how it's going, and uh, you know, basically it comes down to the fact I've just spent a lot of time in the water consistently.
1: Frequency is, is probably is what you're yeah. good at, so going to the pool regularly, yeah. rather than perhaps trying to go to the pool and swim 10K in one session, mm-hmm. um, try to go down as many times as you can a week, even if it's only for a half hour a little technique session, yeah. it's worthwhile.
0: Just get in the water, eh? Okay, cool. Well, that's us for today, mate. What do you got on for today?
1: Um, well, I've had my little bike this morning. Yeah,
0: which I haven't. It was, actually, haven't. It was <laughs>
1: actually pretty woeful. I actually got absolutely hammered. very windy today. Oh, did you? But it's, uh it's a nice day out there. The rest of the day, I've got a few um, athletes to catch up with, and then it's uh, heading away for Easter. So I've got to oh, try and get it done. Uh, I've got up the top of the South Island via the west coast, oh. up to an area called Kaiteri, which we also went on an Epic Camp, and a lot of the guys sort of it was one of the most spectacular areas in, that they saw in New Zealand.
0: Cool. Hey, well, guys, if you have, um, guys and girls, if you have any questions you want to ask to us, you can email us on, I'll probably get us our own email account, but for now it's Bevan James, which is B E V A N J A M E S, at gmail.com. Email us with any questions that you may want answered or any areas you want us to kind of cover in this podcast, and uh, we'll do our best to get back to them and uh, bring it on. Thanks for your time and have a good week. See you next time. Yeah, sweet. See ya.